Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. We've got uh, some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, First up, I did want to say happy birthday to my little guy uh, that is turning five today. So we've got a birthday party uh, to celebrate uh, his birthday and um, got some other stuff going on around here. Uh, This uh, this storm on the East Coast has pretty much everything canceled this weekend. So kind of kind of low key, a little bit of uh, some friends coming over, hanging out and seeing some people we haven't seen in quite some time. But uh, yeah bunch of soccer games canceled, a bunch of uh, activities were, were postponed and everything else. So pretty, pretty low key. But uh, yeah, so going forward, we've got uh, some news on the uh, the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. We still have the private uh, podcast group, right? Uh, but it is a little bit harder to grow that page because it is private and you have to be accepted. Uh, and you can't really be found that way. So I have also made a uh, an investing page, let it grow, uh, that you know we can share some different things and get some more people over to that group. So if you are on the uh, the Facebook uh, podcast group, go ahead and join the other one. I'm going to keep trying to put some inf- uh, interesting information over there, uh, up to the date, um, you know, news releases, press releases, whatever we got. And try to get that one growing as well. Well, I I know a lot of the reason that uh, I was trying to keep it private was because of the fact that uh, there are a lot of scammers, spammers that are just bots posting in these groups. Uh, But at the same time, Spotify is making it a little bit harder for me to monetize at this point. So I kind of need to grow the audience so I can, you know, see a couple pennies off of uh, all the time that I spend here. So if you could go ahead and uh, go over there and and maybe say hi, what's up? Share a post uh, or an, a stock that you really love, or an article, or any type of strategy. I would definitely appreciate that. Uh, and then hopefully we can get uh, a group rolling over there as well. So that's what I got there. Um, yeah. Now going forward, uh, man, I I feel like uh, there's it's just a tale of two cities out there, and I mean that's pretty normal, right? We we've always got uh, you know both sides of the you know investing coin, if you will, as to what people think are going to happen. Uh, so, you know, we've had, uh, you know, quite the sell-off in stocks. We've been talking about uh, rates being higher for longer, uh, the pressures that that causes, what the bond market is doing, and those are getting elevated, you know, kind of higher and higher. And man, it's it's really tough to know where the market goes from here. So I can see un- and understand people being cautious in an environment like this. It's definitely a tough one to navigate. So, uh, and then listening to some different things here, uh, what was his name? Steve Weiss, I believe from uh, Short Hills Capital. I was reading or watching this video with him on, I believe CNBC. Uh, don't quote me on any of that, but um, he was saying that, you know, the the fact that everything's going to remain elevated for higher. Uh, yes, we came down from 9% to 3.5%. But uh, the Fed is still going to keep these rates higher. They're not going to be cutting as much as we'd hoped. Um, and then in another article, I was reading that uh, you know by the end of twenty five, we're still going to be at like three point nine percent or three seventy five basis points to four basis or four hundred basis points 
uh, in the Fed funds rate. So that's still going to be pretty high. So we've got, uh, you know, 20, 28 months, I think was the actual timeline until we're going to be back under that 4%. Uh, so that is definitely going to have a lot of pressure on the economy. We're only going to go down about, uh, I want to say it was 75 to 100 basis points by the end of 24. And uh, we still had that that possible threat of raising rates again one more time this year at the October or November kind of time frame when a lot of these other uh, numbers and, and CPI reads, PCE, everything else comes in. And we're going to kind of decide from there. So it, it definitely lends more of a cautious side to the market as to what's going on out there. You've got uh, Bank of America guiding up. you got other people saying that the economy is roaring. Consumer spending is high. But uh, I guess his point was, you know, there's still a lot of unsolved inflation pressures that are out there, right? We've still got uh, oil spiking up. I believe it was uh, Morgan Stanley that said that uh, we could see oil at 150 a barrel. And that would certainly hurt inflation, right? It might not be part of that core, but it's still going to hurt when we, you know, have to heat our homes or drive to work uh, you know, or charge even your EVs, right? If you don't have solar, you're still leaning on some of the, uh, um, you know, different electric and, and all that energy in order to, uh, you know, get to where you got to go. So there's, uh, there's still a lot of inflation pressures that are out there. We've still got uh, the UAW. Uh, strike and, and all these prices that are probably going to rise. If if they do reach an agreement, we've got to pay more for, uh, or if they've got to pay more for the workers, we're going to have to pay more for cars. That's just how it's going to go. And uh, that's going to be another inflation pressure. You know, we keep seeing these strikes happen where uh, people want more money, right? Life's getting more expensive and the union wants to push for uh, more in the way of wages. So if that all goes through, uh, yes, we we've come down from that nine to like three and a half, four percent on inflation, but it's going to be a long road to get back to two. So we're still going to see pressures on inflation. Uh, we're thinking that the Fed's going to be maybe a little bit slower than even what they're forecasting now. Yes, the consumer is still uh, spending, and that's two thirds of the economy. Uh, but is that really going to be ongoing? Right? Are we going to be able to maintain those uh, those paces? Are we still going to be able to swipe those credit cards? And uh, are people going to be getting paid enough in order to spend that the way that they're spending, right? We've got, uh, you know, as consumers, we've got more and more stuff to buy, right? It, it seems like every time we turn around, there's another, um, you know, whether it be streaming or uh, pharmaceutical or, uh, you know, take take your pick. We've, we've had a lot of new things added into uh, our spending budgets over the past 30 years, whether it be cell phones or whatever other luxury items that we've, we've got now. And uh, we keep finding more things to spend money on, but uh, we're not making that money as fast as how quickly it's going out the door. So does that continue or do uh, does the, the market kind of continue to uh, you know move higher like Bank of America might have said? Or do we kind of keep seeing this, this seasonality kind of cool down that you know normally September is not a great month for the market? But does that kind of continue? Do we not get back to some of these July highs that we had? Uh, you know, in uh, in the middle of the summer. But uh, we're going to be starting into Q4. We're going to get a lot of earnings reports. We've got a lot of people saying that things are going to be uh, better than what they were. But uh, if things do start slowing down, how quickly is that going to deteriorate the market? And it could definitely have a, a big impact if uh, some of these companies come out and they do underperform. And uh, if they don't uh, guide well, we're, we're definitely going to see some pressures there from all these different names as to where we go from here. 
So I think it's definitely a, a time to be cautious. It's definitely a time to be very thoughtful as to how much money you're putting in or, you know, really laddering out uh, your investments, right? If you've got uh, $10,000 to put in, I was in one group on Facebook, some investing group, and someone said, hey, I got 10 grand to invest today. I'm thinking all of Amazon or Google. And, uh, you know, pretty resounding answers from everyone saying, hey, don't put everything into one stock and don't do it all at one time. And I, I can completely agree with those uh, those two ideas. The fact that you don't want to go all in on one name. Um, and if you do, you definitely need to space it out, right? If you buy uh, 2500 every three months for the next uh, you know 12 months and put that money in over time, you're at least going to dollar cost average into a position to where you're not uh, simply just throwing it all in at one time and hoping that it goes up. Uh, we've talked about that plenty of times, but I think it uh, it kind of bears repeating with the amount of people that still think that that is a good idea. Uh, I've got this money burning a hole in my pocket. And it's got to go somewhere. I need it to be doing something for me. I certainly don't think that that is a good idea. And unless you know that you've got another 10 grand, you're going to be able to invest in another three months. Uh, or it's like a bonus thing, quarterly, something where you know you're going to be steadily investing this money. If you've got uh, you know a nest egg of $10,000 saved up and that's all your money, I think that is a, a just crazy idea to just go ahead and throw it all on one stock. Um, and there's a lot better ways to do it. So definitely be mindful about that. Understand that the the market is a little tumultuous out there. We really don't really have a footing for a lot of these different names. Some of them in the NASDAQ have really sold off. I am seeing a couple values there. And uh, I know some people are going to think it's crazy, but uh, there, there are some values to be had out there, especially with some of the recent sell-offs and some names that I think are getting a little too cheap to ignore. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover those in uh, in a little bit here. Um, I guess I'll go spoiler alert. We've got uh, for week forty. We've got Nvidia, Palantir, American Express, Pfizer, and what are we calling this one now? Um, ABAT, which is uh, going to be America. I mean, it was ABML. It got changed. Um, I think it's America Battery Tech. But let me go ahead and pull that one up. You would think I'd know that uh, American Battery Technology. Yep, that's going to be uh, number five for this week. So um, that being said, we've got uh, uh, Microsoft is rolling out some AI. We're getting some more um, chat GPT competitors out there. So we've got that going on. We've got, uh, you know, the iPhone 15. I was kind of uh, reluctant about the iPhone 15, kind of saying that it wasn't going to be enough to move move the needle. I'm still kind of seeing that. I don't know that uh, people are going to rush out to get it. The The new uh, modem or processor is going to be, I think, like 24% faster than the uh, the iPhone 14, which was actually 30, uh, 35, 38% faster than the iPhone 13. So they're definitely getting faster. They're definitely making other upgrades. Uh, the USB-C and, and all the docks, I know a lot of people don't want to change for the standpoint that they got to buy new chargers and docks for uh, to be able to charge this thing. I know that's uh, definitely a concern about some iPhone users. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I definitely am leaning to a point where I think some growth stocks are, are going to start to make sense as long as they are in the, the right area of the market. And I think AI is going to be one of those. Uh, EVs and all those different things are going to be uh, another area where I'm looking 
I don't know that anything is just perfectly valued at this point, but I do believe there are getting to be some undervalued stocks. Like I said, even in the NASDAQ, we, we've had some sell-offs over the past couple of weeks, and I think some of them are starting to make more sense. So uh, with that, I'm going to take a quick break, and uh, I will be right back, and we're going to talk about uh, some names that I think might be helpful to us out there. And then we're going to get into the investing challenge names for week 40. We are somehow rolling into this final quarter of the year. And uh, I've got those five names to cover here in uh, in a brief minute. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and do so now. Click uh, the bell notification icon on whatever platform you're listening on. And do me a huge favor and share the podcast to help this uh, really reach more of that target audience those investors that are really looking to get started and get some insight about uh, what we could be looking at out there and maybe uh, you know get you going on your path to financial freedom. Uh, so with that being said, um, who's what's, what company is going to lead us to financial freedom? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's this one, but uh, I'm looking at Disney, right? We, we've got a lot of talk around Disney right now. It's definitely been a stock that has been through the ringer, right? We've got uh, all sorts of woke uh, politics around it. We've got a lot of uh, problems with the the summer uh, for Disney, and they kind of fell off there. We've got ESPN problems that uh, are still unresolved. Uh, the parks business has been strong. the uh, The cruise industry has uh, definitely rebounded, uh, and it looks like um, Disney might be ending up selling off some of uh, their media that they do own. I don't know that that's been finalized, but uh, they're also looking to really bump up the park and cruise line experience. Um, we've also got the other uh, writer strike maybe finally getting resolved, and hopefully that would actually unlock some some more growth for them going forward. Uh, so again, I don't know that this one is out of the woods yet. I, I definitely think that some of these pressures and some of the oversold bearish conditions where people are just uh, running for the hills out of Disney uh, could be easing. But uh, this one, uh, I believe, what was it? Uh, JP Morgan, right? They're saying that uh, Disney could climb uh, about 50% to, uh, you know, some new highs for the year, right? This one has definitely been painful. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get back over to E-Trade and see what uh, this one says as far as what JP Morgan's putting a price point on this one. But is it something where we think that this one's actually going to rebound? I, I mean, I've been in this name for a quite some quite some time. Uh, I own it higher than here, right? It's sitting at eighty one twenty five. It's been a painful stock to uh, to own, right? We got that dividend cut back in twenty twenty. That's yet to come back. Uh, the PE on a trailing twelve months is sitting high at sixty seven. But uh, could we start seeing some of this kind of rebound through the fall, uh, over the winter, and, and actually get some of this? Uh, this business back, right? Uh, we've got an average price target of 107.35 from 22 different analysts. Uh, JP Morgan actually does not have a price target on it. They just say that it's a buy, and in their note, they put that it's uh, could go 50% higher from here. Uh, but kind of mixed here, right? With Barclays saying about 88, Rosenblatt saying 103, Loop Capital saying 110. Man, I don't know. I just want to see some positive movement out of this one. It's definitely been consolidating around that $80 mark. It's uh, really been holding that line pretty well. So I'm thinking uh, with some of the catalysts here that uh, could potentially unfold, uh, selling off some of the business that's not making sense, doing some different things with ESPN, uh, you know, getting some different names on uh, that platform and uh, 
trying to monetize a little bit better. That might actually help this one. Writer strike ending, uh, you know, really leaning on the business that is uh, doing well for them, understanding that they can't just keep raising prices and expect people to just show up in groves. Uh, I think that kind of is running out as a lot of that COVID spend, a lot of that travel spend from COVID is is kind of easing, right? We we aren't seeing the same crowds that we were, uh, you know, later half of COVID when people were still being able to go to Florida. You really couldn't go to some other spots. So there was, a, a you know, just arriving in droves and, and really just driving up those park prices. It's uh, it's definitely easing now. So they can't just put any type of price tag on it. They got to be a little bit more mindful and uh, not just really rely on that to carry the business. Uh, so I think they're going to be making some changes. Obviously, they they have to in order to uh, uh, really gain back that crowd that they lost. They, they pushed some people away, and uh, some of it was just kind of seasonality and people coming back after right after COVID, and now we're kind of seeing that slowdown. Uh, I still, still think that they've got a strong business. I still think that they've got a, a very wide moat around the, the names and media that they own. The park business, they've definitely got a moat around that. But uh, I'm definitely not 100% certain as to the moat that they have when it comes to some of their other businesses, when it's like Hulu or ESPN. I'm not too sure about that. That uh, seems like that could easily be washed away. And a lot of you know these games are still going to go on. And maybe they don't go to ESPN, maybe uh, NBC or Fox or whoever else gets the games, and uh, they they just avoid ESPN. So we're we're going to see what happens there, and I'm sure they're going to be fighting for uh, for market share in all those different markets. Uh, I definitely like them leaning into some different areas of the market that are working well for them and uh, being mindful of the consumer. Right, we don't need a price gouge. We can simply just have a a solid business with decent margins and uh, really draw more crowds back. So I, I definitely think that that could be a way for them to go forward. And uh, yeah, what do you think? Do you think Disney is actually investable now, or is it still something that we're really on the uh, the outs with? Is this uh, not going to be the future? Uh, I still think that it's a solid company, but I get if you're want nothing to do with them, right? So. Uh, we do have a price, uh, a high price on this one of 128. That's about 57% of upside, and uh, I still think that we could certainly get above 100. dollars I, I don't, I don't doubt that in the least. But um, yeah, going forward, I was looking at some other biopharma names, and uh, a lot of these I even sent myself the email of the article that I was watching, and this one was on Morningstar, right? Um, and I was really hoping to add one of these into the mix this week. Um, and kind of looking over some of the patent expirations. Uh, you guys know that I like the the pharmaceutical and the healthcare stocks. Uh, biopharma is definitely a little bit riskier, right? You're you're normally starting with uh, you know smaller pipeline of drugs. You've only got a couple things going on, but the the names that they threw out in this one kind of made sense to me. I don't really know a lot about uh, a couple of them, but uh, the other ones I've got a good handle on. Uh, I did want to throw out some different. Uh, or some some newsworthy patent expirations through 2027. Uh, AbV, right? Uh, their immunology immunology drug Humira uh, is uh, expected to lose a 75% of sales over the next five years, uh, and they've also got multiple biosimilars that are eroding U.S. sales. 
Uh, and it says also Abby lacks a strong late stage pipeline. It's phase one and uh, stage two drugs look promising though. Uh, Bristol Myers Squibb, their myeloma drugs, Revlimid and Pomalast, Pomalist. Uh, several recent launches in immunology and cancer will help offset these losses as well. Uh, that's their two drugs, Revlimid and Pomalist, are expiring. Uh, but they haven't backfilled their late stage pipeline well, but they are bullish on their cardio metabolic drug, Milvexian. Uh, Merck, their patent is going to be expiring for Genuvia. Uh, this expiration will make the firm even more reliant on, on, I cannot speak on oncology drug Keytruda for growth, uh, though getting to be late in their life cycles, Keytruda, as well as HPV vaccine Gardasil look poised for further gains. Uh, AstraZeneca, their rare disease drug Celeris, uh, is going to be expiring as well. Uh, then they go on to talk about some other Medicare problems, uh, with getting those costs cut on a lot of these drugs that are out there. But uh, then going forward, I was looking at um, uh, obesity drugs, right? Novo Nordisk, which we were looking at in week 38. That one still looks to be a blockbuster. And Eli Lilly uh, with their drugs are still uh, market leaders in that space as well. But uh, going forward, the uh, the top picks that they had in biopharma was Bayer, uh, Gilead, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, GSK, Pfizer, uh, PFE, in uh, Roche, which is, uh, I forget the ticker there. I know I looked it up, but it's an ADR also. And um, that one is a little bit harder to get news on as well as Bayer. Uh, the one price target on Bayer was just through the roof expensive. Uh, but I don't really like to look at just one. Uh, but I think Bayer's trading at around $12.67. And uh, JP Morgan says it's got a price target of $50.16. That is 295% of upside on Bayer. Now, why? Uh, well, they are losing uh, some patents on Zarelto and Elia. That'll make growth more challenging over the next five years. Uh, the products in line, they've got uh, Nibeka and uh, Vitragvi. Uh, Vitragvi, I'm guessing. Uh, I don't know how to say half these words, man. Uh, I think they just make them up and throw some letters together. Uh, they've got uh, their kidney disease drug, Carendia, hold uh, solid potential. They've got a pipeline that is very strong as well in cardiovascular. Esunduxian uh, could be a major blockbuster for them. Uh, so that one is interesting. Uh, they've got a five-star rating on Morningstar. They've got a wide econo or, uh, a moat on their, their pipeline of drugs. Uh, so... And JP Morgan saying that it's got around 300% of upside. I'm, I'm definitely curious about that one. Again, you've got to do a little bit more digging because this one is an ADR also. So it's a, a foreignly held company. It's traded OTC. Uh, so it's pink sheets. So it's not going to be on the, the same exchange. So you would normally have to pay a commission or some fees to be able to buy this one. At least I know that I do on E-Trade. I'm not sure how Webull does these on ADRs. Uh, even though I do have one as an ADR on uh, Weeble, I think that's Neo, and they did hit me for a ADR fee. I think it was like six cents or something like that for holding um, Neo on Weeble, uh, but I don't remember paying a commission for it. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, curious as to what people think about the, this German-based uh, life science company uh, that is Bayer. Uh, one, I, th I definitely think that that is a a solid price. Uh, 
you know, gain from $12 up to 50 if JP Morgan's even remotely right. That could be a major gain for us. But I was looking at the other ones as well, right? With Gilead, you know, I don't really kind of consider them as much of a biopharma as just a pharmaceutical company. And uh, they've, they've definitely got some drugs that are uh, in line. We've got uh, some decent uh, decent list of expiring patents on Viriad, Truvada, Atripla. And uh, they've got uh, a lot of generic competition. That started in about 2017 in Europe and beginning in 2018 in the U.S., uh, the next wave of generic HIV competition has been delayed by settlements with generic manufacturers. Uh, and the next big U.S. expiration coming in 2029 for Genvoya. Uh, so they've got Bictarvi, their newest TAF-based HIV regimen that continues to rapidly take share from both older TDF-based regimens and other TAF-based regimens. So they've got a lot of different things coming on. And in oncology, they've got 47, the 47 acquisition. Magrolimab uh, looks unlikely to pay off, although they remain bullish on the Arcus collaboration, which has brought multiple immu immuno-oncology drugs to late-stage trials. In HIV, they are also bullish, bullish on Sunlenka's potential, both as an every-six-month prophylaxis, as well as part of an oral and injectable HIV treatment regimen in the long term. Uh, so again, I mean, Gilead, there, there's not as much upside. I think it's around 20%. But it is one of those uh, dividend aristocrats. They are known for paying out a raising uh, dividend payment for the past 40, 50 years. That has been uh, a huge uh, draw to uh, a lot of people to get into Gilead. Uh, we've got uh, GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, they also have a strong pipeline. Uh, they've got uh, the RSV vaccine or RexV, uh, but more uh, high potential drugs are needed in their late stage development. Uh, Pfizer was still interesting to me. Pfizer continues to trade very cheap, and um, they've got uh, uh, some patent losses over the next five years. Uh, their losses are increasing significantly in 2028. So we still got a you know the best part of five years, four years, five years to uh, really see this one move higher. They do have uh, a lot of lost COVID-19 sales are, that are going to weigh on the growth, right? But they are more bullish on long-term outlook for the tail of the these COVID sales. Uh, also, Vindaquil, a, a rare disease drug, and Prevnar, a vaccine uh, sale, should hold up despite potential competition because of strong efficacy that is uh, it sets a more difficult bar to displace. Uh, however, their Ibrance, uh breast cancer drug, will likely face continued market share losses as competitors have shown better efficacy data there. Uh, they've also got a uh, late-stage pipeline that includes several drugs with peak sales potential of over $1 billion annually, but fewer major blockbusters than we would expect from a firm of their size. Uh, so I'm still thinking that uh, Pfizer, just the fact that it is oversold so much, I think that we've got uh, some decent potential there. Um, so that, that one is definitely the one that I picked for this week. Uh, so I guess we can go right into those, right? Pfizer's going to have a 5% dividend yield right now. They're trailing uh, PE on a 12-month basis is 8.75. We've sold off on a lot of these COVID fears uh, and those vaccine sales that are, really aren't generating business. But I still think that uh, you know Pfizer could really be a, a solid company to buy. Uh, it's, it's in that biopharma space, but it's definitely got a lot of pharma pharmaceutical drugs that I still think are going to be uh, already known and, and just kind of keep 
continuing to grow. We've got 47, 40.7% of upside from 14 different analysts. Um, you know, we've got uh, BMO Capital saying it's a $44 stock. We're sitting at $32.69. Canner Fitzgerald saying $75. Uh, Goldman saying $54. Morgan Stanley saying $40. Uh, BMO coming in at $44. So uh, even on that lower end of things, if you even go with the lowest price target, you have 10% of upside. On that high side, you've got 129% of upside. That average, you know, 40%, add in that 5% dividend, you're sitting over 45% of upside on this name that I think is oversold. I think we've got a decent entry point here. And you got that 5% dividend that's going to be rolling in as well. So even if it kind of, uh, you know, teeters along for a while, you, you've got 5% of dividend and you've got a decent uh, amount of pipeline. You've got uh, a the uh, patents that aren't really set to expire until 2028, that's a good ways off. So I'm thinking that we can really, uh, you know, put some money into Pfizer and see this one roll higher for us uh, from here. So that is going to be number one. I did this out of order, but I was talking about all the, the pharmaceutical names that I was looking at really just to give you guys an idea as to what's out there, why I'm looking at this one in particularly and know what some of the competition is doing. Uh, Bayer, you know, with uh, what was it? Goldman saying, um, you know, 295% of upside. That is awesome. But uh, there's really not as much information out there without really digging. Uh, so I'm going to lean on Pfizer for this one. I like the dividend. I like the company. It's oversold in my mind. And uh, there's really no more downside to be cooked in, right? That's how I'm seeing it. We've got a lot of that downside pressure from the COVID uh, vaccines and that kind of selling off. But we've also got uh, uh, a, a decent pipeline with uh, drugs that are going to bring in over a billion dollars annually. Uh, although few major, fewer major blockbuster drugs than they say they would expect for a firm of this size. But I, I'm still thinking that this one has a, a good next five years uh, going forward. So we'll see what happens there. But that is going to be number one. Number two, I'm going back to NVIDIA, right? Man, and, and this one is going to lean me back to the NASDAQ selling off. Uh, I still think that uh, NVIDIA is going to be a huge contender for the next you know, five, 10 years. And I don't know that it's going to go away after that. So I'm very bullish long-term on NVIDIA. Their chipsets are you know, really just ramping up and they are going to lead that space in AI. And if AI isn't the thing, I think they're going to be there for whatever the thing is, right? They were going to be at the front of, uh, of crypto, right? That's why a lot of the their chips were selling two years, three years ago was for mining in the crypto space. So that kind of slowed off. We got that sell off. And then, hey, chat, G chat GPT came out and everyone wants to run back to NVIDIA. Uh, but, you know, since the highs back on August 24th of $502, we have sold off significantly. We are sitting at five, uh, $415. So we've given, uh, gave back about 20% of that market uh, cap. And I'm thinking that this one could really move higher from here. And here is why. Well, we first we look at the PE right now in the trailing 12 months. It's sitting at 100.4. That's not good, right? We don't like having a, a PE sitting that high. But when we look forward, right, we are... 
I'm looking at Reuters. We've got a buy rating. We've got a five-year return of 535% on the stock price. Uh, it is getting, it's got nine upgrades in the last 120 days, only one downgrade. We have a price target appreciation of 47% on NVIDIA. Uh, the average is 624, high being 1100 and the low being 382. So your downside is still limited. Uh, this one is getting to be way sold off for me as well. Annual revenue increases for 2024, 102%. And uh, quick reminder, 2023, not a bad year for NVIDIA. 2022, not that bad of a year for NVIDIA. So we are seeing massive growth on a company that is you know, crazy large to begin with. And we're going to get 102% of forecasted growth in revenue for 2024. Uh, you know, And that's not going to change for 2025. 201% by the end of 2025. So we've got a significant, significant revenue growth for NVIDIA over the next two years. We've got uh, a company that on a forward basis, uh, rem remember, it was trading at 102 times PE on that trailing basis. But if we look forward, it's only trading at a 21 times uh, multiple on forward PE, their five-year average being a 41. So it's a 31% discount on forward PE. So the earnings are going up, but the price is coming down, uh, which leads me to the next key number here, which is the the, uh, the forward peg ratio, that price earnings uh, times are, are divided by that growth, which is only a 0.4. It's a 0.4. That doesn't make sense. Uh, anything under a one, uh, you're, you're generally thinking utilities, uh, companies that don't really grow that much, right? Their five-year average is a 2.2. Uh, the S&P 500 index average is a 1.4. Semiconductors industry average is a 4.7. How is NVIDIA trading at a 0.4 with 100% of revenue growth for 24 and 201% of revenue growth by 2025? It does not make sense to me. We've got 47% of upside. Are people just cashing out of this one because it's run so much this year? And hey, it got over $500 and we're, we're you know we cashed out. Uh, that's what I was trying to do. Did everyone else do that? And now we're we're getting to uh, this thing is becoming a cheap stock. I know it's four hundred and fifteen dollars, but everything here tells me I should be loading up on Nvidia once we hit uh, that. We've we've also got a, a band of support around four hundred six to four hundred and eight dollars. I think that could be a solid solid entry price. And uh, with the the market kind of selling off, I think we might be able to get there this week. And then by next Monday, if we're able to buy this one, I think that makes a lot of sense. So that is number two. And uh, I mean, regardless of what happens out there, um, I might be buying this one, even though I've spent way too much money in the past uh, week and a half. I might have to reposition some things and buy some more NVIDIA. So that's kind of my thought there. Uh, I know that um, I was selling out of it, trying to get at that 495 level, then try to level up to at 505. I think I sold some at four and a quarter, but now that uh, we're dropping below that and the numbers really just don't make sense to me, I almost feel like I've got to buy some more. Number three uh, is going to be Palantir and uh, PLTR, if you are following along. Kathy Wood continues to buy this one. Uh, she's selling out of Tesla. She's buying more Palantir, and there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, they're, they're looking for that uh, profitability. They are trying to get there 
uh, for the for the whole year this year, which was ahead of schedule. We've got, um, uh, I think she bought in the in the millions of dollars of shares here, and they only own about one point four percent, I want to say, of Palantir uh, in their portfolio. And that is the the market weight there. Uh, but if they do get to the path of profitability, they're going to be eligible for uh, the S&P 500. That uplisting would be huge for them. We are all in on that path to, of uh, generative AI. Uh, I think Palantir is going to be a front runner in that space. Uh, the, the fact that they're getting to profitability sooner than later, uh, the fact that other you know big money managers are buying this one hand over fist, uh, I think that is a good sign. Uh, there is a discount on the price target. Uh, so currently, the the twelve month price target is fourteen dollars and thirty cents. We are sitting at fourteen seventy four. But I think that if this thing does get uplisted, I think we're going to see uh, a lot more upside to this one. We've got sixteen uh, percent of revenue growth for twenty twenty three and thirty eight percent by twenty twenty four. Now compare that to Nvidia, and it's kind of a no brainer. But I still think that Palantir. Uh, has a good path ahead of them. And I don't know that they are fully priced in as to what they uh, are able to do in AI. And a lot of the government contracts that they have in, in the foundry and Gotham and all, all everything that they do. Uh, so I'm thinking that this one could be a decent entry point. It's definitely cooled off from some of the highs. The forward PE is at a 22% discount to their, uh, their five-year average. Um, their forward peg ratio, this one I haven't even looked at, but uh, this makes sense to me too. Uh, forward peg ratio is a 0.7. Their five-year average is a 1.4. So it's cut in half as to uh, the price you're paying versus the growth you're getting. So I like that as well. Uh, it's trading lower than the S&P and the software industry normally trades at a 1.3. Uh, as I said, theirs is a 1.4 and they're trading at a 0.7. Uh, so again, another sign that this thing could be uh, undervalued compared to the uh, the growth that they are going to be turning in over the next couple of years. And uh, that is always a good sign to, to buy something when it is under that one on a peg ratio. So 0.7, I'll take it. Uh, NVIDIA at a 0.4 with, with just monster numbers uh, could be a solid play too. So don't, don't sleep on that one. Uh, and the $415, I was talking to someone who is a, a very well-versed uh, investor and, you know, they, they said, you know, man, NVIDIA just seems expensive. I said, you know, you look at these numbers and, and I don't feel the same way. I think it's actually cheap. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, maybe kind of sold them on the idea of investing in NVIDIA. But uh, that is up to you to decide. So get over to Let It Grow Investing podcast page on Facebook and get your votes in. Uh, number four is going to be American Express. Uh, we bought this one this time last year. And I'm saying, hey, do we want to average back into American Express? So I haven't even looked at the numbers. Uh, I know that credit card spend is is strong. Um, and now that I'm looking at the numbers, I'm first thought was, uh, you know, pretty happy with this this pick. Uh, this one I just picked uh, or just circled it blindly from last year, right? The PE right now trailing 12 is 15 and a half. We've got uh, one and a half percent of dividend. We've got uh, Treff is saying we got about 17 percent of upside. Uh, so I'm I'm good with all that. The the trailing numbers are are strong. Let's look at forward though. It's still rated a buy. We've got 15% of upside on Reuters from 22 analysts. We've got 15% of revenue growth for 23, 26% by the end of 2024. So we're still growing there. Dividend growth, ooh, 
18% on dividend growth out of American Express. Uh, you're only getting a one and a half percent of dividend, but they if they're committed to raising that dividend year over year, and I can get that kind of raise every year, I will take that all, all day, every day. Dividend payout, only 22.8%. So they can still raise this dividend. Dividend coverage is a 6.9. So they can give us a little bit more on that dividend. So hopefully they keep that up. Uh, forward PE sitting at a 13 and a half. That is crazy cheap. Uh, 20% discount to their five-year average, which is a 16.8. Uh, credit card spending still strong. Forward peg ratio, it's a 0.9. So we are getting a discount here as well. Their five-year average being a 1.5. Uh, the consumer lending industry average is a 1.1. So coming in under the S&P, under their five-year average, and under the industry average uh, fairly significantly. So uh, again, uh, American Express, uh, I'm betting on the consumer. Uh, I still think that we're going to be using these cards. And uh, I still think we're going to continue to spend. We've got too much stuff to buy. And uh, people don't want to wait for anything. So we're going to continue to spend on those credit cards. We're going to get more credit cards. We're going to keep running up that bill. That's just what we do. Uh, so uh, I can't see that there's going to be a bad time to buy some of these names. Uh, American Express, uh, Visa, MasterCard. The margins are super high. And uh, they don't have that much uh, as far as labor to worry about. So those prices aren't really going to affect us too much. Price to sales is even cheap. It's a 2.1%. Uh, their five-year average is 2.5, so it's 19% cheaper there. Um, man, this uh, this actually looks like a decent time to get into some of these uh, these credit card names too, which uh, just happened to be uh, a good one to to look at this time last year. Uh, so now number five, uh, we've got uh, we ran through Pfizer, we've got Nvidia, Palantir, American Express. Now number five, right? American Battery Tech. Um, Man, this one was ABML. I, I, if you've been here a while, uh, I was talking about this one from, man, probably the start of the podcast. It was a penny stock that I was actually interested in. They are sitting on lithium mines. They've got a lot of access to lithium. They're also doing the recycling. They have a facility outside of the, the Tesla Gigafactory in uh, Nevada. There's a lot of different things that are going for them out there that I think make a lot of sense. They're in that right industry at the right time. Uh, as uh, one of the big problems out there is what do we do with these uh, these lithium batteries, all the, all the minerals that are in them after they're done for. And uh, one thing that American Battery Tech is doing is recycling. So they're gonna be able to recycle, I, I forget the amount of metric tons uh, per year, but um, that is gonna be continued, continually needed as uh, things grow. So we went from ABML to ABAT, right? We were a uh, a pink sheet, over the counter uh, type company that was trading, you know, in the sixty cent range. I think we were up to like a buck twenty at some point, uh, and this thing has corrected, right? We have come back down, and then we uh, we got uplisted. Uh, that's the one I was talking about that had all the numbers and digits in the uh, the ticker there for like a week. Uh, probably last week. And then this week, it, uh, I think it went to ABMLD. Uh, that was still OTC. And then we got relisted into the NASDAQ as ABAT. And we saw, uh, I think I posted on both groups actually, uh, that this one was up 17 or 18% the first day, shot up to like 23, 24%, kind of corrected, but the NASDAQ was down, right? The NASDAQ was down one and a half percent the day that this thing got uh, uplisted. 
and it was moving that much higher. And then the next day we were up another 10%. I think we gave a, a decent amount of that back, right? But um, at the same time, the, the NASDAQ has been selling off and American battery tech was was moving higher, right? We, we definitely had a, a lot of upside that that got, uh, uh, you know, realized that first couple of days that it was on the, uh, on the market. So I'm thinking that uh, this thing is one in the right spot for EVs, for lithium, for recycling, for a lot of those uh, those key points that uh, we're seeing you know, the government kind of push towards right now. That green future, which you know I understand might be not as green as we are being told, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of lobbyists really pushing to get uh, more recycling dollars, more infrastructure spending on a lot of these areas that they're in. We've also got. Uh, the the fact that it's been uplisted, which is going to be another huge catalyst going forward. If the Nasdaq really starts turning around, uh, I think that this one is going to be a, a benefactor of more spend on the Nasdaq. If you're buying QQQ, well, maybe not QQQ, that's the top 100. But if you're buying a total Nasdaq ETF, you're going to be buying American Battery Tech simply in that ETF. That's going to be huge. You're not going to have to pay the commissions, which I think was 495 for me on E-Trade. So if you're only trying to buy, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of shares, you know, that $5 will kind of impact what you're doing. You might not want to spend the extra five. You might just buy something else that um, you don't have to spend the, the, the commissions on. So now that you don't have that, you've got some positive catalysts in the government. Also, the fact of being uplisted. Um, I still think that this is going to be a very needed company over the next uh, 20 years. So I think it's got a bright future. Now, when I'm looking at it, uh, like I was saying, it was at the 60 cent range. Uh, now it's $11, right? So I want to say that I had, what was it? 5,900, 6,000 shares of ABML. Now I've got, uh, I don't know, 400 and some odd shares of ABAT. And uh, yeah, so it, it definitely... Uh, cut the share count in order to get uplisted to the NASDAQ. You can't have it be under a dollar. So they they definitely move that up. Um, so I'm thinking that this one has a uh, a decent upside, a lot of future. And uh, there, there's no real uh, research on this one yet. But I'm, I'm still a, a believer in the industry and uh, what's going on over there. Yeah, on, on E-Trade, there's no analyst research on this name. So I, I'm still thinking that it's uh, got a bright future. I'm, I'm very interested to see where this one goes. This was a penny stock play for me from, man, probably three, four years ago at this point. And uh, the fact that we're seeing some positive movement, movement uh, the fact that uh, you know it's in the right spot at the right time, I think that it could go for us. And uh, really, you know, be one that is a sleeper growth stock story. Uh, so that's why I'm throwing it on this uh, this week's uh, investing challenge, right? So uh, please get over to uh, Facebook and uh, go to the Let It Grow Investing podcast page and get your votes in for one of these five. Uh, Pfizer, NVIDIA, Palantir, American Express, or American Battery Technologies. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, share the uh, the podcast and the uh, the investing challenge uh, with some friends, with some family. I definitely like to see some more involvement over there. And um, let me know what you guys think, right? If you got uh, some stocks that you're interested in for week 41, uh, somehow we're already in Q, uh, going to be in Q4 here in no time. Uh, I definitely want to see what you guys think about uh, these five and uh, some other stocks that might be on your radar that maybe I'm not paying attention to. So uh, get over there. Let me know what you think and get your votes in for week 40. 
Uh, and with that uh, said, uh, definitely get out there, get invested, trust your process, and uh, I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.